Hello, can we start the workshop with a moment of silence followed by the serenity prayer? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Uh, my name is Glenn. I'm a grateful member of Al-Anon. Um, I, I recently attended an, uh, an open AA meeting here in town in which the secretary times a full minute of silence at the beginning of the meeting. So let's have a moment of silence, and then there's it's, this room full of people is dead silent for one minute. And it was like it's like a peak one minute in my week. It was really wonderful. So anyway, just to mention that. Um, so welcome to this workshop entitled The Story of LGBT Al-Anon. Um, our, okay, thank you, thank you. So yeah, I'm not used to this, so thank you. So uh, um, the story of LGBT Al-Anon. So what we're interested in is, is in sharing and hearing stories about the history of queer Al-Anon. And um, we, we, don't, I, we don't consider this workshop to be a delivery of a completed program, a la, you know, Ken Burns went away for two years and did all this thing and then came and did a show. No, it's more like a part of an ongoing process. You could call this, in a way, the beginning of a process, um, is that we want to hear, share our stories, hear your stories, Get this on record, and then proceed and see what more we have to learn, what we have documented, and what more we can share in a year and the year after that, and so on. So I'm saying this could be a beginning, but in a way, it's really more of a continuation because there have been efforts already to gather history and archives and things. It's just that we want to continue this process and maybe one day catch up to AA's very thorough. Um, archivals and history of queer recovery. So I'll talk about my story just a little bit. I don't really have a whole lot to share, um, and I'm really looking forward to hearing people that I know are in the room who've got uh, a longer background in the in the rooms than I do. Um, so um, my qualifier is my brother, and I, I was be- I became aware of twelve step recovery on his process, but then I basically was living here in San Francisco and had a terrible, terrible breakup, including um, a lot of really crazy, unstoppable behavior on my part that ended that relationship explosively, and I just was entered the rooms on January 6, 1993, So, um, and I was so desperate, my life was so broken, this was all there was, that I went to a meeting, at least a meeting a day. And in the in those first bit of time, and I very quickly discovered um, one of the our resources is you know LGBT Al-Anon, and the meeting that I uh, went to that came my my home group in that phase was the Tuesday night. Um, I think it was Tuesday night gay and lesbian meeting. I'm not sure what the title of the meeting was at that time, but anyway, at that time it met at Bush and Goff. 
uh, and there was uh, there was that meeting on the left. On you know, you walk in that little hallway on the side there on um, Bush Street, and you go in the the left right there in this little room where there's the Allen meeting, and a little bit further down the hall was an AA meeting. And I remember uh, one of my early sponsors, Dick H, was um, was you know was in the Allen meeting, and his husband Otto would go to the AA meeting. Haven't seen them in a long, long time. But anyway, that was 1993. Um, I, I was very active in Al-Anon. Like I said, this was my only part. This is the only thing in my life that worked for quite some time. So I really jumped in to this. And um, so I was active, did a lot of service and service beyond the group level. And I um, got to know John S., who was the district representative of Al-Anon District 12, the San Francisco district. Um, up until the end of 1996, and he kind of talked me into, and I volunteered to be to be the district rep uh, from 1997 through to 1999. So I was able to conclude my district, my DR service, when the stroke of the millennium occurred, and I was out. Right. So that you know, I partied like it was almost the millennium for three years in the DR position. And so then I did that. And um, um, so, and I know that Dick worked on some history and helped to contribute some writing of the history of that Tuesday night meeting. And exactly what he's written, we we haven't located Dick or haven't seen what he's written in hand exactly, but um, but what I know, as as far as we know, the first queer meeting in town, Al-Anon meeting in town, was that Tuesday night meeting. And... um, of course, now here we are now, and you guys know that there are meetings. Um, well, all of our meetings are open to all, right? And my uh, my home group now is, the title of the group is the Friday Night Gay Men's Open to All Step Study Al-Anon Family Group. That is the name of our group, the Friday Night Gay Men's Open to All Step Study Al-Anon Family Group. And we are open to all. We really are. And what I treasure and value about our life is that we have a queer life here, but I have always felt welcome. It's open. My meetings are open to all. We have straight people and people, uh, uh, you know, people of all sorts in my Friday night meeting. And I know that I'm welcome at the other meetings as well. And that's what I have to say. And I'm happy to pass the mic. Thank you. So my name's Adam. I'm a grateful member of Al-Anon, and I love history. History loves me, and uh, I like to collect little facts here and there. And um, one of the things uh, that I noticed as this conference was getting planned by the Living Sober Steering Committee was the emphasis on history this year with the Marty Mann focus and other the uh, people of color focus on that passage in, uh, I think it was the 12 by 12 from AA about this um, black man in a white, in a blonde wig, throwing himself onto the steps of uh, Alcoholics Anonymous and the little struggle that took place on what to do with this guy. Um, so I think that that spurred me on because I've always been interested in how things happened here. I came into um, Al-Anon in Sonoma County, and uh, I didn't realize how 
early into lesbian and gay Al-Anon recovery, I was stepping into it. Just my life was crazy, and I didn't care about that stuff. But in getting involved in Living Sober, there was some question about when did Al-Anon start, you know, in Living Sober? And so I had to track that down because I had to know. And I found the first program of Living Sober in 1976. And I was very pleased and surprised to see Al-Anon on the cover. Um, you know, when did the first musical happen? You know, all of these things. So I came into Al-Anon. Then I went to a day in Al-Anon here in San Francisco, even though I lived in Sonoma County. And they had a session led by a guy who was in AA as well as Al-Anon, and a lot of things started clicking. I continued to go to both programs, and, uh, you know, we're going to hear more about Sonoma County in a second, I think. But um, what I wanted to say is that uh, my contribution is in research. So I've researched all of the World Service Organization bulletins from the 80s and 90s, looking at the trajectory of the word gay, lesbian, bisexual, and far less transgender, um, because it just has not hit that level. Um, so the, the Tuesday night meeting that uh, Glenn referenced, I f when I was the secretary, because I'm you know, an archive dude. I looked in the I looked in the back of the binder, which apparently no one had done in years, and there was um, notes from this thing Dick had written uh, that showed kind of the initial history and some of the uh, minutes of stuff in the 90s. And then I guess the secretary of that meeting at one point was John. Is that is that true? We're still piecing. We we're, piece, we're piecing that stuff together still, and perhaps other people can speak to it. I'm fairly certain I went to that meeting with my friend Jeff Hughes, who's now passed away, who was very active in Al-Anon um, in the '80s. He's the one who really got me into Al-Anon, and um, he was involved in district work as well. And so there, you know, there's all this stuff. There's all these missing, there are all these little artifacts that are unconnected. Um, I'm on an AA history blog or a news group. The intensity of research into AA is just phenomenal. They have documented every rumor, every, <laughs> every, um, you know, every fact in the big book. They've, in the 12 by 12 and you know, AA, you know, pass it on, and Dr. Bob and the old, you know, the old timers. Every fact has been researched to the point where they do not accept, I heard, or it, it's about facts. We don't, we don't have that emphasis on our history here, but I think it's fascinating. Um, so that's part of my interest here, uh, finding that document in the back of the binder fascinated me. You know, part of my experience in recovery is that I got, I went to Living Sober first in 83. So I got to see 
part of the impact of living sober inside Al-Anon. So what farted in living sober was heard at general service. You know, we fought a lot of things out as a lesbian and gay community inside the rooms of living sober, specifically about gender, about class, about race in the lesbian and gay community, and how it affected our recovery programs. And that's seminal work. You know, that was, that was a discussion that started here. It's hard to think of our fellowship in that way, but it had a social impact that was greater than the halls of these rooms. It impacted HIV significantly. If you think of AA and Al-Anon in the lesbian and gay community, especially in San Francisco, and I'll also mention Sonoma County for a different reason, it was the largest mass organization within the lesbian and gay community. We don't think of ourselves sociologically as an entity in the, in the world, but we are. And at that point, HIV treatments would not have looked the same way. Lesbian and gay recovery in alcoholism and addiction would not look the same way. And the very poorly understood effect of being an adult child of an alcoholic or being in a relationship with an alcoholic or being affected in some way by someone's drinking, uh, you know, that got amplified through the lesbian and gay community through, through things that were done here. Um, I'm going to take this opportunity to uh, pass this mic on to Peggy, but I'm going to say what I told her. I'm going to introduce her the way I said I was going to. So I got into program at Sonoma County. Now, Sonoma County was a mm, kind of a little unusual uh, spot in the lesbian and gay world and in the recovery world. AA and Al-Anon in the lesbian and gay community had very deep roots into the community. Um, kind of like San Francisco. And that impact went all over the place. I became a political organizer to fight the LaRouche AIDS Initiative. Okay, that entire organization, not because of my intention, but because of the people I knew, helped initiate that fight. So that's a sociological part of this. Peggy was, uh, and her partner Carla, were the Bill Wilson and Lois Wilson of lesbian AA and Al-Anon in Sonoma County and basically the North Coast. And this is when lesbians did not go into treatment centers because they were not wanted, they didn't have the money, and like those days back in uh, Brooklyn, uh, lesbian women were getting sober in their home. Okay, this is not done any longer. Yeah. Peggy was very instrumental in starting uh, Al-Anon in the lesbian community, and that helped support those of us, those of us gay men, excuse me, I'm getting dry here because I'm getting emotional, and um, also, was part of a unique theater experience called the Brown Bag Readers Theater, which was, uh, it's long gone, but it was 
often part of the entertainment in this Living Sober Conference. It was recovering alcoholics and recovering uh, what, what the term we use were co-alcoholics. That term is not used much anymore, but that's how it was described. I was very honored to be in the only <clears throat> production of men in that on the 10th anniversary with four of the guys that uh, were part of that. I have a videotape of that, believe it or not. I had hair, it was blonde, <laughs> and I was a lot skinnier and cuter. So, um, so I am going to pass the mic on to Peggy. Hi, everybody. My name is Peggy. I'm a member of Al-Anon. Hi, Peggy. Oh, gosh. I always get uh, nervous about these things. But when I realized, I, for Sonoma County, I am the history <laughs> it's, um, I, there's not a lot of lesbians that, that I know of from the early days that still uh, go um, to Al-Anon. It's certainly not from that original group, uh, which Adam was uh, truly loved uh, by many. Um, so what happened is um, my friends moved up to Sonoma County, and there was this bar in the middle of, like, the country. I was uh, in graduate school in Long Beach, but I always lived in Orange County, so I was just the classic little, ugh. So, you know, I never really went to San Francisco. I was kind of a, um, you know, kind of a country little bumpkin. And, um, but Sonoma County was very country, and this lesbian bar um, that my friends, you know, took me to uh, was on Stony Point in Todd. And um, I know that sounds funny, but it was really all cows, literally all cows. And the bar was the bottom section um, of, I guess, a feed store. I mean, lesbians, we'll meet anywhere, right? We didn't care. So, um, and the owner of this bar, who managed it and drank through it and all that, was this woman named Carla, who was the prettiest thing I had ever seen. She had um, black hair, blue eyes. I thought, holy shit, she's so pretty. And um, I was in graduate school, and she had said to me, um, if you're ever looking for a job... I would hire you in a minute. Well, that's all I needed. I quit graduate school and moved in with Carla in Sonoma County. So we went to her sister's wedding in New Hampshire, and her mother's name is Peggy also. Am I too close to the mic, or is this okay? Anyway, <laughs> um, Carla's mother's name is Peggy, and we went to New Hampshire for this um, the wedding of her sister. And her mother takes me aside... Well, before that, I should say, we pulled up in a car, and Carla had um, beer in a bag, like, you know, like a 12-pack. And we get right to the front steps of the house, and she throws it in the bushes. And I'm thinking, that's odd. And so and then in we went, and then um, her mother took me aside and said, I have to tell you something. And I said, okay. And she said, I just, I need you to promise me one thing. And I said, oh, absolutely. Well, you know, of course, absolutely. Um, she said, my daughter's an alcoholic. And 
I need you to promise me you'll go to one Al-Anon meeting. I had never even, I don't think I had heard the word Al-Anon. I'd, I'd heard of AA, but I didn't know anybody who needed to go there. And, um, <laughs> right, my boyfriend had, my, my first true love was a heroin addict, but there was no problem in the house. And uh, <laughs> so, anyway, so I promised her mom I'd go to one Al-Anon meeting. So when I, when we got back to, uh, to Sonoma County, um, I had told Carla this promise. You have to what? I said, well, I promised your mother. Um, so off I went. And um, it took me about six weeks to get there. And every time it was time for the meeting, Carla would take me to the movies. Or, you know, we, we got real busy. And um, so the only meeting really in Sonoma County in those days for Al-Anon was um, – on Humboldt and Silva, which was a big church, and Carla dropped me off, made fun of me, and dropped me off. <laughs> I was so nervous. So I walk in, and, oh, there's all these friendly people, and they had cake, and they were all laughing, and I'm like, I could do this. And so I asked somebody, you know, was this the Al-Anon meeting? And they said, uh, no, ma'am. It's around the corner, down the hall, and to the left. And I went, oh, because that meeting seemed really fun, and they had cake and everything. <laughs> and um, so I kept walking and walking, and then the sign above the door said, the nursery room, Al-Anon. And I opened the door, I swear to God, and there was like six or seven. Now, that's it's me now, but I was only 24, and... So it was 1978. They all had this blue kind of gray hair. And they were all sitting in nursery um, chairs. I don't know if you guys know what that means, but you know how kids sit in little short things. So I'm looking around, and all these ladies were so nice. And then I sat down in the little chair, and we all talked. I I think I, I started crying then and cried probably the first four months of recovery. Um, Carla got sober, and I, I was kind of fortunate. I remember thinking when her mother said she was alcoholic, I thought, oh, I'll have her sober in three months. God, who thinks like that? I mean, I just thought, well, that, what's the issue? I'll take care of that. And, um, and once you get into Allen on, you realize you don't really get anybody sober and, you know, uh, but I was fortunate she did get sober. And so in those days, there was only, I think there was only one, maybe two AA lesbian meetings. Uh, one was Friday night, I think it was mixed, and then on Sunday it was just the, uh, the lesbian meeting. But they used to let Al-Anon people come in, which is a complete joke now because there was only three of us. So we would get to go to the AA meetings. And um, and then we just thought, oh, my goodness, we, maybe we should start our own meeting. So we did. It was myself. I was the secretary and chairperson or whatever it's called. And then Emmanuel, um, yes, Emmanuel was the treasurer. And James F., because I, I tried to find James. I was going to ask his permission, you know. But anyway, James F., he was, um, I don't know what he was, something important. Well, it was James was the only man for the longest time. 
But anyway, it was really wonderful because we picked Friday night, and it was at the Arenda Center. And I believe it was 1979 or 1980. And so we just kept meeting, and the AA was in the back room, and we were in the front room. And um, the Arenda Center, in case you don't know it, is our big alcoholism center in uh, Sonoma County. So that's where the Al-Anon meeting, you know, happened. And that went on for about 10 years. And we were up to 75 people. And at that time, I don't know if everybody remembers, but it wasn't like it was the thing to be in AA and Al-Anon, but it was kind of cool because I think now, in retrospect, it really gave people a place to go and and be queer and and be sober and talk about it. You know, talk about being gay. And um, so we were very powerful. I had a lot of people get sober at my house, mine and Carla's house. Um, I mean, oh man, beautiful men and women. Jeez Louise! I mean, just it was a wonderful time. And then we heard about Living Sober. I think the first time we went to Living Sober was 1980. I'm not sure. But Georgia Prescott had heard a Mother Tongue Reader's Theater. It's kind of like this, uh, it was a vagina dialogue or something. Anyway, back then. And then, but it was where these people got up and read stuff, you know. And so we all met at Georgia's house and we wrote things. And so my writing was um, from the Al-Anon perspective about being raised in an alcoholic family. And every time I went to read my pieces, I, I would just start crying. And I, in retrospect for all of us, I think that we didn't talk about that stuff then. I mean, who talked about being raised in an alcoholic family, or or there's are there lovers relapsed? Carla relapsed a lot, and it was scary. And you know, so we wrote these pieces, and I decided not to perform. I thought you can't even read this. Can you imagine facing it? Those days, it was like thousands of people here. It's just like oh, so um, so we started this reader brown bag readers theater, and uh, off we went, and we formed here at Living Sober, and it was really cool, and then we thought, um, well, maybe we could do our own conference. I don't, when you're that young, you know, and your partner is Carla Longo, who is like this wild woman, and she seemed to be able to get large groups of people to do stuff for her. I'm not sure exactly how she did it. We'd throw dances. We'd rent buses. We'd, you know, I was like, God. But anyway, so we started our own little living sober. I mean, it's Sonoma County, so we're not, like, as important as you guys. But it was it was pretty good. And um, it was very cool, but it, not as big. I mean, you know, a few hundred. But um, we called it In Celebrational Life. And um, I was the first speaker there, and um, Ellen on speaker. And we had our own T-shirts like you guys, and we had brown bag. And um, Marge Mount, a woman in recovery, um, she did the graphics for the T-shirts and posters. She's very famous. And 
oh, we were just special, and we had a blast. The only problem for me at that time was, I don't know how, I had been around a lot of alcoholics, and so I used to tease them and say, you know, Al-Anon could be your primary uh, recovery place, you know, because so many of the women were very codependent. And um, Anyway, so I started this group because I thought it would be fun. Um, I called it the Double Winners Group because that's what AA would call themselves if they were in Al-Anon in those days. They'd call themselves a double winner. And so I started the Double Winners Group over at the Alano Club on Sebastopol Road next to a car dealership. And um, anyway, Al-Anon headquarters contacted me immediately and said, uh, we have no other affiliation. And so I went, affiliation? I didn't understand. And so I was talking to people, and I don't know, in those days, you know, we didn't have cell phones and shit. So I got a hold of, I don't know, maybe at Living Sober, somebody from the East Coast said they they had this meeting called Adult Children of Alcoholics. It was an Al-Anon um, meeting, but specialized. So I started the first Adult Children of Alcoholics meeting. I thought, well, okay, you can't call it double winners, but you could do this. And so um, well, it was really scary. So when we did the conference, right, I had all these special people come um, to chair this ACA meeting, and it was funny because for most of us in Al-Anon, I could do that my, my partner was alcoholic. But there was something very frightening that was starting to be a movement in our, in our county. And that was it went further from the partner into our family of origin. And boy, you sh- you thought we cried over the over our girlfriends. I mean, once we started getting deeper into the Al-Anon aspect of, of childhood alcoholism, boy, it was really scary for a lot of us. And now, of course, that's a great big meeting. The other thing that I thought was really um, wonderful was um, when now we shouldn't have done this, but. Some of the Oakland girls had helped me with getting literature because we didn't have any money. And there was an Oakland Al-Anon meeting. And so they were very helpful. And it was scary. We, we went from Santa Rosa all the way to Oakland. Oh, I mean, this sounds simple, but it was, oh, my God, Oakland. We didn't even know where we were going. So we get there, and the, the women had given us literature to take and start our own meeting. And bunch of them were from this uh, record company called Olivia, and um, Olivia Records. And some of the gals were clean and sober, and a lot of their partners were at this Al-Anon meeting. So Carla came up with the idea of, why don't we go to the march? You know, the big one you guys have, that great big march, uh, gay pride march. And so we got banners, and we all stayed up, made signs, and... Oh, we were so excited. We even had like a cloth that, you know, we carried as a big banner, wide and long. And and there was like 12 of us. And um, my little sign said, Co-Alcoholics Unite. And then my other sign said, Me and my HP for higher power. So I'm not that creative, but that's what I came up with. So 
um, we were standing on the sidewalk because we didn't really know how to get in the parade. And there was the girls from Olivia Records. Olivia Records had their own banner and were marching. And so they said to us, well, march behind us. And so we were the first clean and sober contingent for the march, which I thought in retrospect is very cool because now I think that that section of the of the gay pride march is like thousands of people. So there we were just, you know, doing our thing. And we didn't pay for it. I now know you have to pay to go in that parade. We just hopped in behind Olivia. So what was interesting about that time for us is for me was we were marching and I had never experienced this, uh, and hopefully I never have to again. People threw beer on us and alcohol on us. They were so mad. You know the people that watch the march? And so a lot of people, especially like gay men, were just drunk and standing on stairs throwing beer at us. And they said things to me like, uh, oh, because you're a alcoholic, do you drink with her or with him? And it was very um, eye-opening for the you know the little twelve of us, and um, that didn't stop us though. And life went on. The other thing that happened out of the ACA um, and uh, Al-Anon meeting from Sonoma County is we started seeing a lot of people coming into Al-Anon and AA actually that had um, early childhood trauma. And so, I don't know, I must have gotten hooked up with somebody from the East Coast, but they had started Incest Survivors Anonymous. And so I started an Incest Survivors Anonymous in Santa Rosa, but it was based out of the original Al-Anon group. You know, it just kept getting, it just kept getting bigger and bigger in our county, and, um, we had dances for fundraisers, clean and sober dances, and packed. It was like, I don't know, people had somewhere else to go. And somebody mentioned Dykes on Bikes. Um, my, my friend Sable, who is also clean and sober, uh, one year came on her chopper. And she had a chopper, like, a, you know, a regular motorcycle chopper. And, um, and she was real cute, and she didn't wear a helmet. I'm not even sure she wore a bra. Or I don't, you know how you can just do be that parade and go naked or whatever. Anyway, her and a bunch of other women were like had their motorcycles, and she said, "Let's let's go in." And so it was called Dykes on Bikes, and so that was from Sonoma County too. I'm just bragging here. We did a lot. <laughs> we did a lot, and um, I don't know. I'm still going. I have 41 years, and, you know, I just keep showing up and doing the best I can. But Al-Anon has just been such a healing foundation for so many men and women um, in our community. Um, It's just been phenomenal, and I can't thank you enough for letting me share the little bit of information I have. Thank you. My name is Jim G. Uh, I'm a grateful member of Al-Anon. And I feel very honored to be with these people who have, you know, devoted themselves to Al-Anon for so long. And and um, this is just going to be my recollection, you know. There are people in this room I know who were 
here for a long time when I arrived. Um, I moved to San Francisco in 1970, which was kind of the mecca to be gay and to be in the city of San Francisco. Um, and I met a man at uh, the End Touch, which is just up Polk here. So I went out for lunch today, and I got real close to the End Touch, and you know, I had the little twinges of, "Oh, that's <laughs> where it all started." And uh, yeah, in 1978, I met my uh, my partner John, um, an alcoholic and later a pothead. And um, you know, we had a very up and down kind of uh, relationship for ten years, and it was really going down the toilet, really. And in 1988, um, uh, an old boyfriend of mine from Los Angeles suggested that I go to to uh, Al-Anon, and so I started coming to meetings in 1988. And what I remember is that um, there was a, a little greasy spoon at Church and Market called the Castro Station. And I would go there on Friday night, and I would have some greasy chicken noodle soup and cry. I, I had some literature that they gave me, and I would sit and cry and have my chicken noodle soup. And then I'd go to the gay men's Friday step meeting. And uh, that's when I started to hear about recovery. And um, I loved that meeting. It was where the 18th Street services wound up. And like Glenn had said, it was someplace even before that. I don't know exactly when the Friday step meeting started, but I know that it was definitely there in 1988. Um, I remember... Somebody said, we are open to all. I remember we even voted to see, you know, uh, because we had we attracted not only gay men. There were gay women. There were uh, straights. Um, you know, anybody who needed Al-Anon felt very comfortable in this meeting, and we were studying the steps. And so I remember somebody said, well, maybe we should change the name to say, um, you know, the Friday meeting, you know, uh, at meaning that we would drop the gay. And, and we took a vote, you know, and said, no, you know, there are, at that time, and there's still, I think there are only three meetings that identify as gay in the city. And I think this is really important that if you are an out-of-towner and you're looking for a meeting and you happen to be gay or lesbian, you know, uh, where are you going to go and feel comfortable? And so we said, no. Everybody is welcome here, but we're going to keep it open. And so we changed our name to include. It's the longest name, I believe, in maybe in Al-Anon history. I don't know. It's it's a mouthful, but it is open to all. And but we have retained uh, the name Gay. Now another meeting I used to go to was uh, at Trinity Church, and this has been mentioned before. It was the Tuesday night meeting. And I remember the Collier Room was up in the front. That's where the Al-Anons met. But down the hall, that's where the alcoholics were. And down the hall, we would hear applause and clapping and laughter and all of this foot stamping and stuff like that. Meanwhile, in the Collier Room, we were dabbing our eyes and saying, why are they having so much fun? They've made such tragedy to me, you know. I exaggerate, you know, but I'm gay. What the hell? Uh, so that was the Tuesday night meeting, and I do believe that that historically was the first meeting. And we've got a letter here. There was um, Rich G. This this letter is dated February of 1982, and basically what they were asking uh, is 
is it okay to call this meeting the Tuesday night gay men's and women's Al-Anon meeting? And so they, they sent a letter to uh, WSO, and they got a letter back. And they said, as a matter of fact, we have been considering these special meetings. And it became at that time that it was okay to use the, the word gay and lesbian in names because it had been forbidden really before that. So this is really an important document that historically, you know, it was allowed to use the word gay and lesbian. And look where we are today. I mean, it's, it's a miracle that, you know, the progress that we have made as a community, and it's about time, you know. Um, so that's the Tuesday night meeting. Um, let's see, another meeting I went to was at MCC at the time, and that was the Thursday night meeting. Um, and that was a big meeting. There were probably 50 Al-Anons in that room. And there was a lot of laughter. And people people like Peter C. would tell stories, you know. And I'm just only Peter C. could keep you laughing. Um, just like Marion. You may Marion. God, God bless Marion who spoke at the CHIP meeting today. Um, so th- those were the three gay meetings that, that I started to go to. And... Uh, I'm hoping that somebody in the room will remember exactly, like, maybe when they started, but I'm pretty sure it was the Tuesday night meeting, and we know that it was sometime before 83. Um, In 1989, I went to my first Al-Anon conference. It was at uh, Civic Center at uh, um, Bill Graham, and there were, I think, three or 4,000 people at that meeting. I was intimidated. I I was scared to death. 5,400, I, I stand corrected, 50, Bob was there, and uh, 5,400 people. It was huge. But you know what? I would run into somebody. I was going to every meeting in town to stay away from the alcoholic. So it wasn't just gay meetings I was going to, but I'd run into this person there and that person there, and I started to feel comfortable. I thought, you know, I want to get involved. So the next year, I got on the committee to, to be with Living Sober. And I've been on about 10 committees over the years. I've been lucky to be co-chair twice. I have a list here, if anybody wants to take a look at it, of everybody who's been a co-chair. That goes back to 1976. Um, so um, there's another thing that I checked uh, with Mary Kay, who was um, you know District 12 uh, um, DR, and she pointed out this book. It's called Journey to Recovery. It's for Northern California, and it tells about the history, a little bit of the history. I think it's not quite all that accurate, but Glenn is mentioned in it, our Glenn D. here. He's, he's in it, uh, and I think that Adam has created an archives that is on the District 12 um, um, website. Is that... It's in the pro- it's in the process. We're, we're, we're just getting, getting more will come. So um, I'd like to hear more about what you guys know uh, about the history and fill us in. Tell us some more. Is it okay if we pass the mic around, um, or what do you want? If you could come up, that'd be great. But I also want to point out that we've got fifteen more minutes. So, um, but how about? Here, here I am. How about just you, you, and you? Because uh, you talked about being from D.C., and we'd like to get that a little bit in as well. Hi, my name is Kathy, and I'm a grateful member of Al-Anon from Berkeley, if you can't tell by the tie-dye. Um, 
I was 12-step by Brown Bag Readers Theater, September 1st, 1985. Went to my first Al-Anon meeting in Berkeley, September 28th, 1985. And that meeting was an Al-Anon Adult Children of Alcoholics meeting that was about half lesbians. My second meeting was the Monday Night Lesbian Meeting in Oakland, which was about half ACAs. It was all the same people in these two meetings. Anyway, at that time, I would like to fill in some of the history of um, East Bay, Berkeley, Oakland, and et cetera, et cetera. At that time, um, we were still District 15 from El Sobrante to San Lorenzo. In the 80s, because Al-Anon grew so much, what my sponsor lovingly calls the Bradshaw years, um, a number of Al-Anon meetings in the East Bay, at least, and I think this was probably a national, if not global, phenomenon, tripled in the 80s. Suddenly, District 15 was way too huge to be manageable, and we split into District 15 and District 26. And in order to successfully split a district, you have to have a strong base of service in both districts. So we had to split at the Oakland-Berkeley line, which is a bizarre place to split. But the reality was the base of service was in Oakland and in Berkeley, so we had to split there. So District 26 is Berkeley to El Sobrante, and District 15 remains Oakland to San Lorenzo. I believe that that split happened in 1990. It's in the book, which I have a copy of, but I think it was 1990. What I know for sure is that our first district rep for District 26 was a lesbian named Angela H., who is my other sponsor. Um, <laughs> I like to keep them running. My, my, I have two sponsors now. One of them was the speaker here in 1985, and the other one was the first district rep for District 26. Um, but at the time that I came into Al-Anon in 1985, there was the Monday Night Lesbian Al-Anon and the Thursday Night Lesbian Al-Anons. I like to joke about what were we the rest of the week. But um, there was a Monday Night Lesbian AA meeting and there was a Monday night, a Thursday Night Lesbian AA meeting. So the Al-Anon meetings kind of followed the same night so that you know we wouldn't have to be away from our girlfriends too much. Um, <laughs> went to meetings, separate meetings on Thursday nights and Monday nights. And the rest of the time we hung out and did whatever we did. Um, but so there was two lesbian meetings. There weren't a lot of gay men's meetings in the East Bay. They were all in San Francisco. Um, my sponsor, who was the speaker here in 85, came across the bay to go to gay men's meetings in San Francisco because there really wasn't anything for him in Berkeley. Um, and a little bit later, by the late 80s, early 90s, there was also the longest meeting name in Al-Anon history, the Wednesday night lesbian, gay, bisexual, non-smoking, child care provided meeting, <laughs> which was ironically the only meeting in District 26 that offered child care was the lesbian, gay, bisexual meeting. In those days, Al-Anon meetings sometimes had child care. The lesbian Monday night lesbian meeting and the Thursday night lesbian meeting both had child care. But um, by that time, it was 
a lot different. So then there was also a Sunday night. I see you, Adam. There was also a Sunday night, Sunday morning meditation meeting at Live Oak Park that was a lesbian gay meeting. At this point, all those meetings were closed. There were no lesbian gay meetings in the East Bay until very recently when a new meeting started at the Pacific Center, which initially did not actually identify as a lesbian gay meeting. They thought the fact that they were at the Pacific Center was enough. It was like, no, if you intend to be a lesbian gay meeting, you have to actually say so. So that changed after a little bit of time. Thank you. I want to, before I call on Bob and then this gent, I want to say we need your old junk. We need your speaker tapes. We need your CDs. We need old meeting schedules from Berkeley, Oakland, San Francisco, anywhere. We want to document the growth, the decline, where it is today. Um, We have bits and pieces, bits and pieces. Um, Bob, I want to get your talk about DC a little bit. Great. I will try and do that, and I may talk a little bit about my own experiences early here. Uh, so my name is Bob. I'm a grateful member of Al-Anon. And uh, I went to my first Al-Anon meeting in Washington, D.C. on December 27th, 1980. It was a gay meeting. Like a lot of people, I was, well, I didn't know anything about anything. There were people there. I assumed they had been forever, been there forever. And I assumed the meeting had been there forever. And it turned out that this was the first gay meeting in D.C., gay Al-Anon meeting in D.C., and it had been around for exactly six months when I started going to it. So I was kind of on the ground floor in a way. I was, um, well, the background is sort of secondary. I was, well, I was 12-step by a man who, by, by a sober alcoholic who was a colleague and a neighbor and gay, and it was, I kind of hit the, the jackpot. He was the first person I met when I moved from New York to D.C. And so he took to my first meeting. He, in turn, had been uh, one of the co-founders of what is now called GAL AA, but at the time was known as the International Advisory Council on the Lesbian, Gay, Alcoholic, and uh, Gay Person and Alcoholics Anonymous, or something really long like that. So he had his own history. Um, he'd been sober since the early 70s and, you know, quite a guy. Um, eventually, I decided to get a sponsor who was actually just in Al-Anon, but, you know, I picked a straight woman, which was great. She was a great sponsor. But while I was there, you know, 1980 and, you know, other, somebody else has re- referenced the fact that, you know, 12-step programs were exploding back then. And, you know, I got to Al-Anon, and I would not have gone to Al-Anon if I hadn't been able to find a gay meeting, because I had so much internalized homophobia. You know, whatever I actually, whatever I thought of myself as being in terms of, you know, being out and proud, I was incredibly homophobic. And I didn't think, I thought if I walked into a non-gay meeting, I'd just be kicked out. That was my experience. And I had to be dragged kicking and streaming to a, a mainstream meeting because if I wanted to go to more than one meeting a week, I had to go where those straight people might know that I was gay, God forbid. Um, so I did that. But meanwhile, because... The program was getting larger. I had the opportunity to start other Al-Anon, gay Al-Anon meetings. By the time I left D.C. in 1986 and moved here, there were seven or eight Al-Anon, gay Al-Anon meetings each week, and there were a couple of uh, Al-Anon adult children meetings as well. In fact, there was one, there was one space that there were five meetings on the same night. Um, and uh, one, one, one oddity about that first meeting was that when I first started going to it, it was, you know... It was, you know, Al-Anon in, in one room, AA in the other, and 
there were two AA meetings. Meetings typically in D.C. were an hour long, and often a group would have back-to-back meetings. So there was a 7.15 and an 8.30, and the Al-Anon meeting started at 8 o'clock and went for an hour and a half. And what I was told later on was that for the first year or so, the AA meeting was actually paying the rent of the Al-Anon meeting. So there was a little violation of the traditions going on because, but, you know, the people in the AA meeting felt it was really important to have a gay Al-Anon meeting. Um, Also, while I was there, my first sponsor dragged me to this committee meeting, which was for the Capitol Roundup, which, again, I had thought had been going on forever. It turned out the first year I attended was the first year it happened. So we were, you know, Living Sober was the pioneer, but, you know, there was New York, there was D.C., there were a couple of other cities, and there was Boston. Boston, I think, was before New York. Um, So, you know, I got to do this, and in D.C., there was not an Al-Anon committee. There was one committee. It was not a big roundup. There were the biggest it ever got was 600 people. Um, but Al-Anon was an in- considered, unlike you know other conferences, was considered an integral part of the event. Um, I, one year I was the treasurer. One year after I moved away, the chi- the, the the roundup chair was a non-double winner Al-Anon member. And you know I don't can't imagine that happening here. But you know it was sort of like a it was sort of a gift to have that experience because, um, well, and, and also a, a challenge because when I got here and found that Al-Anon was sort of like our, our own little thing on the side of living sober, I, I, I copped a few resentments. Um, I did come here early, and I can tell you that the Friday night meeting existed as early as 1983, and I believe that when I came, I had been referred to it, but I didn't get to it. Um, at the time, I believe it was still worth at the original location of 18th Street Services on 18th Street. By the time I got back here, it had moved elsewhere. So that meeting's been around a long time. And I, I did get to the Tuesday night meeting, although I, I think the meeting like didn't happen that night. And I wound up at the AA meeting instead, um, which was kind of weird. But nobody seemed to be upset that I was there, um, even though I identified only as an Al-Anon member. So, you know, when I came back, I was kind of, in a way, surprised you know, different places have different recovery cultures. And, you know, I was kind of surprised that, you know, there are still not a lot of Al-Anon meetings, a gay Al-Anon meetings. There was, oh, there was a Saturday night adult children meeting that was gay and lesbian that was at, um, oh, Belcher, Belcher Street. That went on, and, and that meeting, I went to it when I was here in 1983. It was enormous. There were over 100 people in this, you know, cramped little basement that, you know, you could barely, I mean, the stairway was so steep, you could barely get it in and out of there, and God forbid you were disabled. Um, but that, you know, and it's really funny how these things go through histories, uh, go through cycles. That meeting was big there. I think there was another one there on a different night, also very large, and also it was, you know, gay, lesbian, um, at, at Allen on Adult Children meeting, and I think that just the, the building closed and, and the meetings just folded. I'm not quite sure why, but, you know... Anyway, that's my, that's my particular take. We're, I know we're running out of time, and I want to give Mike a chance to share. Thank you, Bob. I just want to say one thing. I hope you guys give me your phone numbers before you leave so we can connect on some of these things. I'll repeat that. You want people to give phone numbers who have history on Illinois and San Francisco. I'm Mike. I'm a great member of this program. And I'm going to try to be humble and not speak too long. I came in Illinois. February 12th, around February 12th of 1979. And interestingly enough, 
that meeting that Jim referred to at Pushing Golf Street was the second down on meeting I attended. The first one was Sunny Night, and it was not lib- labeled as gay, but it was just almost as many gay people. The Wednesday was both. And, of course, as Jim remembered, there's the, 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 that on the left side in the collier room and the other one on the right. And at one point, at least, San Francisco had f- at least four gay and lesbian meetings. The one that we talk about, uh, Open to All, and I can name the whole name again, Open to All Friday Night, uh, started somewhere between, like Bob said, 90, 82, 82 and 83, somewhere in there. Because I remember a guy named John from Brooklyn, somebody in Brooklyn, was very involved in the very beginning, seeding the ACA group. Then it was called ACA, Al-Anon, at the Belcher Street, one of the first places they met. And then not short, not too long after that, we had the Friday night open to all. I'm not going to repeat the whole name. Which did meet, I think, across the street, catty corner from Our Lady of Safeway, on the other side for a while. And then it met in the famous Our Lady of Safeway for years. And then I can't remember what moved to Padre Palou at 16th and Church. That might have been sometime in the early 90s or mid-90s. So pretty much that's all I need to say, except that... Uh, People forgot to mention about the East Bay. There was an organization called Unity and Sobriety. that was like the East Bay version of Living Sober that met for a number of years in the 80s and early 90s. And some of their musicals were really powerful. That was another one? Okay, and Sonoma County's at least had two different. There was a Unity conference uh, in Sonoma County in the like 2003, 2003, up until like 2011 or something. And there was an earlier version too, right? So that's it. Four meetings in the mid from the mid uh, 80s until sometime in the 90s. There were at least four. There were two on Tuesday night gay and lesbian. The one that started with by Bud Colton. I'm sorry to give his last name. Bud C and some other people were involved in that, and they were involved in early living sober. But I don't know. It may have been that that meeting on Tuesday night at Bushing Golf was gay and lesbian for a few years earlier. And as I recall, it was listed as gay in 79. That's what I remember. That one. It was the only one until uh, the one that Jim talked about. And then we had uh, several times. The third one was on a Tuesday night. So there were two Tuesday night meetings for a while, one at Padre Palou and then the one at Bush and Goff. So there were two Tuesdays, plus then later the Thursday started. So there were one, for a while there was uh, two Tuesdays and a Thursday and a Friday. There were specifically lesbian and gay. I'm not sure. I don't know when the, uh, whether the third Bush and Goff is still going. I don't know. Kathy just said, and I wanted to emphasize it, that there was actually an Al-Anon gay and lesbian conference in the East Bay. How many years did that go on? Our common welfare. Yeah, I might have a... Right, we had our own Al-Anon conference. People were doing that much service and work. I might have a cup or something from it. (laughs) So if you... If you remember the years, um, that's that's mainly I wanted to make sure that. And that Sunday morning at Live Oak Park, an outdoor meditation meeting went on for several years. My my memory is getting so blurred about exact years anymore. And I, w- I want to mention one other person, which isn't really about gay and lesbian Al-Anon, but it affected me because um, th- at some point, uh, several years back, 
and I don't know if it's still true, the, the person um, coordinating or running the Elatine program in this district, District 12, was a gay man. And as somebody who, John maybe John, okay, pieced my way into working Elatine service because I had some whatever that hang-up was about I wasn't supposed to be near children, and I've never had children, and the fact that he was known and openly gay coordinating Alateen was meaningful to me. It was meaningful to me. There is a treasure trove here. Um, so I'm the co-chair this year. I got talked into doing it for two years. I've really been trying to get a lot of stuff about Al-Anon more prominent at Living Sober. Um, I can talk to you more about what that has been like. Um, but what we really need, not only archives, we need to know where lesbian and gay people go in Al-Anon so that we can make announcements about Living Sober and create a new organic relationship between our fellowship and this conference. Because it's gotten smaller on our side and it's not as well developed as the AA side. If this is going to remain relevant to our recovery, we have to help this out. Okay, so... It was. I was there. So it, okay, so let's, here I am, taking over Glenn's thing. Let, why don't we end with the serenity prayer, and uh, we'll go from there.